and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the world of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director, PR Week. Going to guide you gently through another show, another week in PR land. We're with co-host Frank Washcook. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. And we're delighted to have Kim Sample with us, who's president of the PR Council, the trade body for PR agencies. Kim, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here with you and Frank. I haven't had the pleasure of your company since the fantastic PR Week Awards a few weeks ago. So yeah, this is a person. real treat. Yeah, it is. And that was a treat as well, wasn't it? But uh, I mean, since then, another virus variant has reared its ugly head. So I don't know whether we're going into another lockdown. I hope not, but we're in we're in the office anyway. So um, we'll chat about that and, and a lot of other things to do with PR firms. And um, we'll also get into the big news of the week. Grubhub has appointed Golin. We'll talk about the return to the office, mask mandates and the subway shooting in New York City. Interesting story about Ogilvy UK and TBWA both separately pushing back on photo retouching among influencers and on social media. So we'll pick up on that. An interesting story there. Brand Ukraine. We've been doing a lot of coverage of that recently and we'll dig into the latest developments there in that horrific situation. A roundup of people moves, always plenty of them going on and a quick dive into the PR Week salary survey premium edition. But Kim, let's talk to you first. We're we're deep in the weeds of putting together our annual agency business reports coming out at the start of May. Always an interesting exercise and particularly interesting this year because we haven't got the final numbers in, but it looks like the overall agency market is going to be up something between 20 and 25%. That's just unheard of in my time uh, at PR Week over the last 12 years. And, you know, by a long chalk, I can't remember anything anywhere near that sort of growth, you know, and and I don't think it's ever gone above 10%. So tell us, as the the agency body for the PR agency sector, how has the last year been? You know, this is, those numbers are for for 2021. And how has it changed the agency sector? I guess it's good news, but it does bring challenges with it, doesn't it? It sure does. I mean, it's fantastic news. And this kind of growth, I don't know when I've last seen it, and it's pretty much across the board, though we do continue to see even stronger growth in healthcare technology. I think public affairs is still doing well. Um, But the challenge is on the talent side. I mean, I think that growth maybe could even be a couple of points higher if there was more talent uh, available in the agencies, a lot of agencies have said they've tried, they've had to hold off on new business because they just don't have the capacity, which of course I think makes the clients want them even more. So it's not a bad strategy, right? <laughs> it's a nice one to be able to do, isn't it? It's kind of a luxurious position to be in to be able to turn away business, but or potential business. You mentioned healthcare technology. We've talked for a long time about PR having that seat at the table, and we seem to be seeing that you know whether it's employee engagement, whether it's crisis, whether it's CEO positioning or C-suite council or uh, management consulting, paid media we were talking about the other week. Um, All of those areas, I guess, are uh, are contributing. Is that about right? Yeah. I mean, I think that seat at the table just um, was earned in the early days of the pandemic. And that's been a great advancement for agencies. Um, But I think that diversification, the fully integrated PR is really what clients are looking for. So, you know, 
paid, that is something that more and more agencies are offering and more more extensive um, opportunities in paid. Digital continues to be incredibly strong. A lot of influencer work. Um, it's just, it feels like it's up across the board. And I think there is this sense that um, maybe there will be a little bit of a downturn, but you know, I don't think anybody's feeling it yet. Yeah, digital media and paid is, is an interesting case study. There was data out this week that showed the yearly jump was the biggest in 15 years. And um, But paid media now doesn't mean television, magazines, or billboards, does it? I mean, it does, but increasingly it means paid digital. And there's no reason why PR firms can't do that. In fact, they are doing it and they have to do it as part of an integrated plan. So it's kind of changing the the PR profession in a way, isn't it? In that you've got to come in now with paid chops as well as earned and then the shared social media and the owned media helping brands put their own media uh, content together. Yeah, you know, we're seeing an explosion in all of those different kinds of uh, positions in our agencies. I mean, across content, digital, you know, social, web dev. I mean, a lot of our agencies are exploring how do they build out their um, web credentials to be able to handle what's next there. Um, so I think the agencies that are staying on top of what's new and really figuring out how it's valuable to clients' business, not just a shiny toy, but how is it really adding to clients' business, those are the agencies that are going to do really, really well into the future. Are you seeing differences between the the big firms, the mid-sized firms, the small and boutique firms in terms of growth rates and their experience last year? You know what? The year prior, um, it seemed like the growth was really happening mid-size and smaller. But as you saw in your agency review process, I mean, the large agencies have had a fantastic year. It, they're doing really well and seeing growth like they haven't seen for ages. Yeah, we saw Edelman, the biggest of all of the agencies, up 17%, and that's pushed them to the $1 billion mark, which we you know, we wondered whether they would ever get to, and that's a, that's a big milestone. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to, to compare back to two years ago, isn't it? Because we would have been sitting here now, literally two years ago, maybe a month into the pandemic with a really tough time, right? People... Um, not just on the health pandemic front, but also just one wondering how the, how they were going to keep their businesses going, how they were going to support their clients. Clients were just stopping spending because it didn't seem, um, you know, correct, to, uh, certainly on the marketing and consumer front. But um, so they went through that really tough period. A lot of pe- a lot of them made layoffs. If you look at Edelman again, they laid off 400 people, but then they hired 800 people last year. So it's kind of transformed their business what what have you seen in terms of that transition from 2020 to 21 and and just the incredible change? Well, it was amazing because I think we started to feel the impact of the pandemic before we had the virus in the U.S. because there were a lot of clients who were asking for pauses uh, early on, January, February. And um, I think there were some alarm bells going off and then the pandemic hit and there was a lot of concern. That's when PPP loans were being announced. So we were spending a lot of time um, supporting members through that process. And then it turned so quickly. And, I, you know, I do think our leaders were working very hard to 
retain staff um, for as long as they could and trying to be creative. I mean, it was a period where for parents of young children, some of them welcomed being furloughed because it was just impossible to deal with those kid responsibilities and jobs. Um, but there was really an effort to how can we retain our talent? We know we're going to need them. I don't think anybody knew how quickly <laughs> we would need them. Yeah. And so, you know, you talk about Edelman hiring 800 people. I mean, the open positions numbers are amazing. The number of hires that have been made are amazing. Of course, those two are related, um, but it, it really turned very quickly. And I think PR was seen as a way to quickly affect sales. And, um, you know, there were all, all of these other issues that were happening between employee communications, the racial uprising. So PR was called in on those things as well. So it was a great moment for PR and it continues to be a great moment for PR. Yeah, let's look at that. What what are we seeing this year? You know, when, if we're sitting here in a year's time, what I doubt we'll be looking at 20 to 25 percent growth. But hey, if we are, then fantastic. We've got inflation at around 8 percent. We've obviously got geopolitical um, uncertainty with Russia's uh, egregious invasion of Ukraine and other geopolitical things like China uh, looming on the horizon. How do you think the rest of this year is going to play out in terms of, you know, agencies? It, it seems like parts are going to need just as much support, doesn't it? I think so. I mean, I don't want to be Pollyanna um, sitting in the trade association, but I think that marketers realize that PR is uniquely qualified to move great ideas to action in a speed and efficiency, cost efficiency that other disciplines just can't. And I think that's going to serve us well through everything that's going on in the world today. Yeah, it really is. Frank, what have you been seeing? You know, you're talking to agencies every day. We're writing stories about them. We we did that piece about agencies turning down business, which, you know, would have been unheard of maybe a couple of years ago. What are you hearing on the street, if you like? Well, sneak preview on a feature we have coming up for the agency business report. But one thing that we have consistently heard back from clients is that, um, the, the range of demands that clients have from uh, have from agencies is both broader and more high level than it was before in that, yes, they are still going to agencies for the, the tactical work and getting things done quickly uh, and responding to things in real time, but they're also looking for high level counsel. Uh, essentially, you know, what can you tell me about how this is playing? What does this mean for gas prices? What does the latest issue in the Ukraine war mean for, for my business? Or what can it mean a few weeks down the road? And part of that is just because the CCO position, I, I don't think anybody, I, I think few people would argue with this, but the CCO position uh, or its equivalent is, is just more important than it ever was before. And so because of that, um, and because of the, the, the higher level counsel that the CEOs are demanding from their CCOs, they're demanding more in turn from their agencies. And so there's, there's opportunity for growth there, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's good news for the sector. It really is. Um, Kim, if you were to look back over the last couple of years, what would you say the biggest challenge was for the PR agency sector? And what, what was the thing that they did best in terms of reacting? You know, we've always seen... PR people as agile and, and nimble, and, and that seems to be top, you know something that they've done. But what, what, what would you say to that question? Um, 
I, I just think that pivot to remote was incredible. And as much as agencies are providing invaluable counsel to their clients on employee communications, I think they've done a really great job with their own talent. It's been really challenging. And, you know, we hear, you know, mental health issues abound. And I think that's for the population at large, you know, not specifically agencies. But I think the care and concern for keeping talent safe, um, employed, productive, well, I mean, I I think that's been pretty extraordinary. And it is always at the top of the list. Any conversation we have amongst CEOs, it's it's really all about the talent and how are we caring for them and um, creating the best possible situations for them. So I think that's really been top of mind. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we underestimate that sometimes, what what people did, you know, in terms of the pivot and just getting it done, you know, with, with pretty seamlessly. And uh, I, would, I would add our PR Week team to that, you know, and, and journalists as well and other creative industries. Just finally, Kim, do you get a sense of how other disciplines have grown in 21 in the creative sector, in the media sector, digital versus PR? Do you think they've grown as much or is it very much this is the sweet spot for PR that's been required over the last 18 months? You know, I'm definitely hearing from other disciplines that they are seeing growth, but it's it's not at the rate that PR has grown. And I think it's that combination of being able to offer the high-level counseling, the, um, you know, bringing things to action, getting things to market, and the integrated work that's really powering our PR agencies. Yeah, I think you're right. We're, our sister title campaign is uh, putting out its report cards in a couple of weeks, so we'll get a, a flavor of what's uh, what's happening there. But I think you're right. I think it's this is this is PR's time. So, yeah, thanks, Kim. We'll get your uh, input on some of the stories we're going to cover. But uh, let's start off with this one. Frank uh, Grubhub has appointed a new agency. Talk us through that one. Yeah, that's right. Grubhub, uh, which I think we've all probably used, and in my case, a bit too much over the past couple of years, um, has, uh, after an RFP process, that started in December has brought on uh, Golan uh, in January and the two of them started working uh, together in March. Um, Grubhub previously worked with Cutline Communications on consumer PR and handling media relations. Uh, so look, that, that's uh, it's a hire by uh, Dave Tovar, who's well known to our readers. He's previously of McDonald's and Walmart was the, uh, the person steering the RFP process in this case. Yeah, and he would have worked with Golan at McDonald's and and Walmart actually. I think um, I think they were working with them back in when Dave was there. So yeah, interesting stuff. And uh, congrats to Golan. This thing about turning down business opportunities, Kim. That's a, that's an interesting one, isn't it? How do agencies? What are they doing then in terms of prioritizing? Are they obviously? You could say it's a long overdue thing that people have stopped chasing every single pitch out there because that was kind of counterproductive, wasn't it? It used to end up spinning the wheels a lot. And and really, it's very frustrating for staffers, isn't it? Yeah, we have long um, offered some resources on, you know, how do you evaluate your fit for a pitch? And we're hearing about more and more agencies having a real process to making those decisions. But, you know, 
I keep hearing from leaders that, you know, they're having to make those heartbreaking decisions of not pitching business that they really want. And sometimes not taking business that's being handed to them. There's not even a pitch, but they just don't have the teams to work on it. And I, I think that's a smart call. I mean, everybody is so overextended and, you know, sometimes you have to do that difficult act of saying no. Yeah, I think that kind of brings us on to our next topic, Frank, which is all around talent, but around some of the things that are playing into the talent discussion. So we've got that return to the office discussion. We've got mask mandates coming back in in Philadelphia, for example. So, the you know, COVID new variant coming in. We had the horrible subway shooting in Brooklyn, you know, not, not that far away from where you live, Frank. But, you know, really made people think twice about getting on the subway, certainly last night and this morning, you know, and getting it back into the office. So all of these things are playing into people's attitudes to work, aren't they? And, and where they're going to actually do that work and what employer they're going to work for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll segue that right into uh, we released a premium edition of the 2022 salary survey recently. And, and you know, it's interesting in that the individual just has so much power now, the individual employee, and in that not just in terms of earning power, uh, where you see the average salary up about 10% instead of, you know, 1% to 1.5% as it might have been uh, in years prior, but just, just all kinds of... Um, all kinds of power, whether to work from home, a lot of choice about what kind of uh, employer they want to work for. And in a lot of cases, one thing we hear a lot from people is the, the old regional uh, divides don't matter as much as they used to be. If, if a company or an agency really wants to bring on somebody who's based in, say, Salt Lake City, uh, they have the opportunity to do so if they're in Chicago or New York or San Francisco, which they might not have done before. Um, and so uh, to me, it's, it's, all about, um, it's, it's all about the power the individual employee has. And I think you see that with, with all of the things you mentioned, whether it's concern about COVID-19 or safety uh, or just, you know, work-life balance. Yeah. We like a good segue on PR Week. So a, a nice one there, Frank. And very <laughs> nimble and agile of you. Uh, so you say it's not just PR pros, them. it's PR, PR editors as well. Well done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kim, the subway shooting almost was like piling it on, wasn't it? I know it's a bit New York centric, but, you know, people would are just kind of being asked to come back in the office, aren't they? A day or two a week at least. And then something like that happens and it just makes people pause again, doesn't it? It really was. I mean, I don't want to minimize the tragedy, but it was just horrible timing when it comes to that, wasn't it? Um, I think like people, talent in our industry would like to go back to the office. They know their benefits. They know it's fun to work in an agency when you're in the office. Um, but I think there's this inertia about going back. You, you kind of have to break the seal, right? You both probably experienced that. Like you have to get back into the routine. It's just easier sometimes to stay at home. But I do think this will set um, agencies back in terms of getting people back in in New York City. And I think these mask mandates um, are going to be problematic as well. Yeah, I mean, there's, it definitely is a bit more complicated getting yourself into an office, you know, having to, you know, 
have a shower every day without going into too much detail. Put proper <laughs> clothes on, you know, get your stuff ready, go to the subway and all that stuff. You, you actually, I started planning, it was almost like going back to school. I was planning out my stuff the night before because I just can't deal with it at, you know, 6.30 in the morning. But uh, that you're right, but I, people are kind of voting with their feet, aren't they, Frank? Because if you look at our office, right, people are, can come in on a Tuesday or a Thursday. They're being asked to do that one day a week. So on Tuesday, there's over 100 people in here, but we're sitting in the office today and there's only five people. They're kind of voting with their feet, aren't they? They're kind of saying, we don't really want to come in. You know, okay, one day a week, that's fine, but that's enough, right? Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think that, um, I I, I do think though, and I I think what Kim said is is accurate and interesting in that, you know, I've I've watched a few agency CEOs have arguments about this on on LinkedIn or on on Twitter about, you know, some are very gung ho on people should be work from home all the time, and then that that's where they get the biggest the, the best creativity and the most flexibility, um, and others are pushing more for uh, a you know a lot of collaboration in the office, and and I think that you do get uh, a lot of company culture and organizational culture in the office and you can't get it virtually. And I do think it makes for, uh, you know, uh, better teammates and and better staffers and people more in line with what you want to accomplish at the same time. I mean, I, I, look, it's a new reality. Uh, I I almost said post COVID we're obviously not post COVID, but it's, it's a new reality we're into now where people have more flexibility. Yeah. No, I think after the first week last week, there was a real buzz around the team. You know, uh, they were psyched at seeing everyone again. Some we hadn't seen for two years and uh, it was great. I mean, that'll probably wear off, but, you know, um, it was good and people did feel energized. So, you know, you've got to balance that out. And, uh, you know, talking about what you see, if you go on Fishbowl, you see people saying, well, my company wants me back in. Well, if they're going to get me back in, they're going to need to pay me 30 percent extra to pay for my commute pay for my clothing and pay for and you're like well you used to do that before but that's just the way it is at the moment and they can probably get that extra money out elsewhere so it's really it's really all about this talent thing and and um, you've got to have the right people and the best people and you've got to keep them so yeah and here's one, one one thing i wonder about it too will will this result in um more flexibility for people across disciplines i mean there's already a breakdown of in some ways uh, of, of people who have the skills to work at a PR agency versus a marketing agency versus creative agency, right? And I wonder whether this will result in more, uh, just more people moving from one to the other and getting experience from one to the other too. Yeah, for sure. So we'll definitely come back to that story. Next one up is an interesting one. It's about influencers and social media. Ogilvy in the UK has said that they will not work with influencers that uh, have their photos retouched. Um, and TBWA is doing something similar um, on social media. That's interesting, Frank, isn't it? Interesting story. It's it's very interesting, and um, I, I am looking to see whether they can keep this stance up long term. Um, because I we all know for a fact there are many influencers who who want to be retouched uh, in their in their images. So um, I, I am interested to see how long this can last. Uh, so that's Ogilvy UK that you mentioned. There's a really interesting uh, initiative out of TVWA New Zealand um, in which they call it the body right. And the B is sort of like circled. 
like it's a copyright. Um, and it's encouraging uh, people and especially women to post uh, images on social media that are not retouched. Um, and the, the bigger effort here, and I think this is all a result of that Wall Street Journal investigation into uh, practices at Facebook, Instagram, Meta, the parent company, and the effect that they have on people, and especially young girls and teenage girls. Um, and I think this continues to be a ripple effect from, from that series of stories. Yeah, it's, it is an interesting one. And I wonder where you, where do you end with that, though? Um, I'm absolutely all for body right. positivity and for reality. But then do you do brands not, will Ogilvy not make ads where, for example, a print ad where it's retouched or a billboard, you know, but there's right. no Photoshop involved, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, you know, it, it, there's a number of layers to that story. Kim, you, you have got a lo lot of years of agency experience. What, what was your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I do think there's a huge problem with diet culture in this country and um, the anxiety caused by social media. I think it's uh, very smartly a way that agencies can demonstrate some chops in influencers, working with influencers on behalf of clients. I mean, I'm reminded of the uh, great work that MSL uh, released last week on equity for influencers, particularly pay equity for influencers. And all of that's super important in that it's such a huge growing category, but you're right. Unless, you know, we're applying the same rules to print ads, television ads, billboards, and so forth, you know, it, it does, it's, Kind of make you scratch your head a little bit but yeah where why are influencers different you know i'm not yeah. saying it's, it's not a good thing to do i'm just saying yeah. well, you know what you, you got to be consistent with the, how you apply that so maybe yeah, it'll we'll spread sorry maybe it'll spread yeah well um we did contact ogilvy us i don't know if they've come back to us yet frank on whether they're going to do it as well nothing yet but we'll be looking to follow up yeah, we'll follow that story for sure. Let's talk about the horrific situation in Ukraine. Um, just horrible. I mean, after I spoke to the agency um, last week, you know, really brought it home that we've got first world problems that we worry about um, when you see what's happening in that country. But Frank, there's, there's a few developments this week around. We did a campaign on Ukraine Street and then brand Ukraine is, is kind of positioning itself, um, you know, as, as a positive thing, isn't it? It is, yeah, and um, I think it's really interesting because um, they are essentially just, just, just like you said, uh, doing doing an advertising campaign that's just bravery to be Ukrainian, and it's um, I, I I'm kind of encouraged by seeing um, this running in all of these different countries, including the U.S. and Canada, Germany, Italy, Austria. I think that's great. I don't, um, but I think the actions of the people who are in Ukraine is, is just so, is so influential in and of itself. And um, I, I almost thought they didn't have to do this campaign because the, the, the bravery that these people have been showing for the past few months has just been so uh, self-evident. But I'm, I am happy people are chipping in with the ad space and, um, and doing this, but, you know, nothing is more powerful than uh, just the images that, you know, everybody's seen on TV for the past few months. Yeah, for sure. And Kim, I think you've got some info on what agencies are doing to help people in Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, this is something I just, I find it so inspirational, the role that 
PR professionals can play in changing the world. And it's exciting to hear from agencies that they're having, they're getting involved in a lot of different projects that are brought to them by employees in their firms. So MSL supporting this organization called Ukrainian Witness, which is all about getting footage and accurate reports about what's happening out into the international media, which is just such an exciting role for PR people to be playing. And they're really working with the big news organizations on that. A smaller firm in our membership, Silverline, um, the story was they had interviewed this candidate and the candidate decided that he wanted to do something more purposeful and went to work for Shelterbox came back to Silverline and said, hey, would you support Shelterbox, do some pro bono work for us through this Ukrainian crisis, help us, you know, provide housing shelters for refugees? And they jumped on it and they're driving amazing media coverage, helping to raise a ton of money and just that opportunity to run with something and make a huge difference. I mean, it really shows the value of our discipline. Tons of examples like those. Yeah, it does. And uh, business, you know, got involved at the start with the embargoes and trade, um, you know, stopping uh, trade in Russia. But uh, yeah, I think we we mustn't lose sight of it and and more needs to be done. So it's good to hear about those uh, initiatives. Great stuff. We couldn't do a podcast without a people move roundup, Frank, to our point about talent. And there are a few other interesting ones this week, as usual. Yes, absolutely. Um, And I mentioned the salary survey before, and that's sort of the big elephant in the room with all of this, isn't it? Uh, In that there's there's so much opportunity for people, and that's why we're covering people moves so much. Um, So Rich Talent Group uh, has brought on Brunswick's uh, Nicole Rebo uh, as president. Uh, She was a partner in Global Head of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Brunswick. Um, She is going to be president of Rich Talent Group effective immediately. Um, a first time role at MSL being filled. The first uh, chief creative officer uh, at MSL is Roya Hartovi. Um, she is going to report up to the US CEO, Diana Littman. Um, she comes uh, from Merge, where she was the chief creative officer and diversity, equity, and inclusion chair. And she led a hundred plus team over there. Um, we have a boomerang um, and, and, it's it's funny. This is a boomerang. That's also a, a dating app. Uh, but Michael Michael K has uh, he's he's I see what you did there, Frank. Yeah, he's come back. Always thinking. I like it. Appreciate that. I come back to OKCupid as associate director of global communications. Uh, he's reporting up to global CMO uh, Melissa Hobley. Uh, he had a stint at LinkedIn in between and. Uh, Gretel Pereira. He didn't make uh, a connection over there, then. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I I couldn't possibly comment on that. Right. Uh, so he, uh, Gretel Pereira uh, is going to be head of PR for the Americas uh, at Verbo, Expedia.com, and Hotels.com. Those are all Expedia brands uh, that have been brought under that umbrella uh, in recent years. And in and on to our healthcare coverage uh, in our daily healthcare newsletter, uh, VMLYNR Health has brought on uh, its first chief executive. Uh, it's uh, promoted Claire Gillis uh, into that new role. Uh, she is the former CEO of WPP's health practice. Yeah, interesting stuff. So plenty of uh, movement on the talent front, Kim, and it's going to keep you busy at the PR Council, I suspect, over the rest of this year and beyond. 
<laughs> I'm sure it will. Thank you for joining us. Really good to uh, chat with you and find out the trends and uh, reflect on an incredible year for the PR agency sector. So, yeah, been good to chat. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And thank you both for all that you do for the industry. We appreciate you. That's our pleasure. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, just to finish up, we've got our Healthcare and Pharma Summit and Awards, which will be in New York City on May the 10th. So do come to that. It's the inaugural show. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's at City Winery, so you can get a glass of wine as well. So going to be a lot of fun there. Our Global Awards will be in London on May the 18th. With a bit of luck, I'll be there for my first trip back in over two years very much looking forward to that. If I, if we, I'm not going to take anything for granted yet, though. And uh, we've got a brand film awards. They'll be virtual again on May the 26th. And then looking forward a bit to Chicago in the fall. PR Decoded on October the 11th and 12th. The theme there is Purpose Evolved and really interesting debates and discussions and panels we're going to be having there, as well as our Purpose Awards, which will be on the evening of October the 11th. And looking forward to getting back to Chicago in person too. And uh, you'll get the, the info on those events in the next couple of weeks when they're launched. But that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. 